Okay. <clears throat> Shall we continue? Good evening. We were learning, let me just shut this. We're holding in the middle of the mimer. Levar Inyan Yemakipurim. We began last Thursday and now we'll finish it. Now we'll try to finish up before Yom Kippur. We're holding on page 136. This is the uh, Ahmed Gimel of page Samaches in Lakuti Torah. Drushim Liam Kippur. Um, the mimer discussed, and we're not going to really, uh, just a short little something just to catch up where we're holding. The mimer first began, it says, to explain the idea of Yom Kippur. And he presents that about Yom Kippur, it calls Yom Kippur the ultimate Shabbos. Shabbos Shabbosin is the ultimate Shabbos. The question he only asked is, um, how come it says Shabbos Shabbosin, he is for you, and Shabbos Shabbosin, she is for you? How come Yom Kippur is referred to in some psukim as a he? It's a Shabbos, and it uses a male term, that Yom Kippur is masculine. Or Shabbos Shabbos in Hilochem, it is feminine. That's the question. Uh, to further uh, to explain that, he asked another question: How come, when it comes to tshuva, we know that we can repent and do tshuva and fix any blemish that we've done by not following God's instructions when He tells us to do something and we were negligent and didn't do it? So then we know we can immediately fix the problem. As soon as we do tshuva, we we we've um, eliminated all the any 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 scar or any blemish. We've healed from that from that avera. We failed to recite the shema because we were tired, lazy, overslept, whatever it was. So we do tshuva immediately. We're cleaned. However, when it comes to a prohibitive commandment, over there you gotta wait to yom kippur. You can do tshuva immediately, which is highly recommended. But we're, in order to be forgiven, you wait till Yom Kippur comes. Yom Kippur cleans the nefesh. He said, why? What's the difference between um, the, the blemish of a positive commandment that one can rectify on their own? They don't need Yom Kippur. The blemish of a prohibited command that requires Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur healing to cleanse. So to understand, and he says, really, in truth, you can't say because of the seriousness of the sin. Because in some ways we say that a positive commandment is stronger and overrides a prohibitive command. When the two of them are in conflict with each other, where when you'll do the mitzvah, you'll violate the avera. So the question is, should I do the mitzvah and violate the Avera, or should I observe the Avera, by, meaning observe the prohibitive commandment by not doing it, but thereby violate the commandment that Hashem says to do? So then the halacha is that the, you, t- you tell the person, do the act, even though this is in transgression of a prohibitive commandment, because you're doing what God tells you to do. So you see that the positive commandment is stronger than the negative commandment. So if so, when it comes to rectification, how come the positive mitzvah is rectified immediately and a prohibitive commandment requires you to wait to Yom Kippur? So obviously we have to understand what Yom Kippur is. So 
he, he develops like this. Yom Kippur obviously is a day of tshuva. But the essence of tshuva, it's all about, see, from the Alter Rebbe's perspective, from the perspective of Hasidus, it's not about being good or being bad. That's not the issue. It's are you in a relationship with God? That's the bottom line. And a, a, an Avera is a breach in that relationship. A mitzvah is a strengthening of that relationship. Now, what is the idea of the relationship? So there is a factual element of the relationship, and then there is the energy of the relationship. The factual element of the relationship is, no matter what, God is your creator, whether you obey his commandments or not. Um, he doesn't delete you from creation just because you sinned. People who think that the lightning is going to strike them a minute after they do an Avera, and then they wait, and they wait for the lightning, and nothing happens. Then they think that God is not thinking about them. Uh, that's not the way it works. Someone can sin and do big sins, and they're not deleted. Why? Because God does his job. His job is to be a creator and to create. He creates. He creates everybody. He takes care of everybody. Sustains everybody. He'll even feed you. Give you everything you need. The question is, is he looking when he's feeding you and he's taking care of you, is he looking into your eyes when he's doing that? That's the whole difference. When you do his will, he's looking in your eyes. He's deeply connected. It's face to face. Now when you're not doing his will, you turn your back on God, so God turns his back on you. He takes care of you. But it's all from his backside, which means without the pleasure and without the delight. Yesterday we spoke about this by the sheer, you know, the difference of two people that are can be sitting right next to each other. We spoke about it last week. They sit in shul together side by side for years. They got upset at each other. So one sits like this, and the other one sits like this. And they're sitting very close. They can, one can even smell the other one. You can hear his breathing. But he's sitting like this, and he's sitting like this. Because there is an icy separation between them, even though they're sitting in such close proximity. There's no such a thing as going away far from God, because God is everywhere. Hashem is everywhere. He's encircling you, encompassing you, and He's within you. And He's sustaining you, even when you're doing something that's not His will, He's sustaining you. But there is an icy, there's a coldness, because the person is not, is not furthering God's interests in creation. And uh, from the person's perspective, God is, he doesn't feel close to his creator. So they're back to back. The essence of tshuva is to bring back the intimacy and bring back the love and bring back the attachment. And we want with all our heart and all our soul to be in a relationship with our creator. And God wants with all of his heart and all of his soul to create us. So he explains this little dance of back-to-back and face-to-face that we're constantly dancing with God because it's very hard to be constantly face-to-face. To be constantly face-to-face means that obviously we live in a world and the world is very distracting and we get like dra- dra- <laughs> we get dragged into it. We get sucked into it. And the world is enticing and it has pleasures and it has delights and it has things that are like that it will schlep us in. And the moment your heart gets pulled into something in this of the, wor- of the worldly element, something in, in the world that captures your heart and that you're enjoying, and you're, you're obviously you're losing that connection with God. Because it's like this exclusive, my God is like this. <laughs> you can't love the world and love God at the sa- in the same way. You can love the world as an expression of God, but to love the world for its own sake, not as, is, is, it doesn't work. 
it, it at least diminishes from your love for Hashem. So therefore, um, you know, just being alive is going to cause us to get a little bit, you know, into, and we gave them an example. Yesterday I elaborated on all of this for the Shabbos Shuva talk, which was a synopsis on this discourse. Uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a husband and wife relationship, when they meet and they get just freshly married, they're just so excited about spending time together and seeing each other and talking to each other all day long. And that's like their only excitement. And that's like everything. Six months later, you know, she's calling and, and, and he takes a look at the phone and he's just, oh, sorry, again. Like she becomes a nudnik. It's the same wife that you look. Now, deep, deep inside his heart, he still feels about her that she's nothing more precious in his life than her. And she still feels the same thing about him. It's just that right now, they're not in touch with their deeper heart. They get caught up in the outer heart. So now he's focused on his businesses and his doings. And she's a nudnik. He, she's focused on her friends and her, you know, going out and talking to her friends and making, you know, and he's just a pain when he comes home from work and he wants attention. Because she's now, you know, having a time. But it's not like if you ask him or her and you ask, you know, is your business worth losing your relationship for, with your wife? Or if you ask her, is your friends that you just sit and talk, absolute narishkeit, worth losing your relationship with your husband over? She'll say no and he'll say no. No, no, no. She's the deepest love. He's, my, he's the, the, the love of my life. For sure. It's just that right now, I'm not in touch with my deeper self. I'm living on the surface. So a husband and wife have to constantly rekindle their love for each other. They have to constantly get back to a deeper self. How do they do that? By spending time with each other. If they don't spend any time with each other. So life itself will drain the energy. She'll be drained by the children. He'll be drained by his business. And they'll have a very cold and non-meaningful marriage. And they can live together that way, but they won't have this deep bonding. A, a marriage requires that they take time and spend with each other. Whatever it is, going out for dinner, going out for a vacation, they must be with each other at certain times in order to get back panim panim face to face. That's just a requirement. And it's the same as with God. If we don't spend special time with Him, we get caught up. And the funny thing is, as we get caught up with stuff, God also gets caught up with stuff. The Alter Rebbe describes that every week Hashem gets caught up. He gets distracted in creating the world. He gets busy. It's a big, he's got the cosmos to create. And he's busy, and every time he creates these new planets and these new stuff, and he says, how do you like this cool thing I made here? And this, He's very caught up with, with it. And we also are caught up with our work. But on Shabbos is a day of tshuva. Shabbos is the day that God puts away the hammer, puts away, you know, put away your hammer, put away your thing. You know, God closes his toolbox, everything. And he comes back home. He comes back home and he relaxes. Which means he comes back to a place where he's himself, by himself. And when he's himself, he asks himself the question, what is dear to me now? In this place where I'm not engaged and involved in creating worlds, the only thing that's important on that level is himself. Who is, but, is there any, does he have company? Yes, the Jewish souls. Because when God withdraws from creation, everything ceases to exist because everything is part of creation. The only thing that's not part of creation is the Jewish souls. Jewish souls are not part of creation. Jewish souls are of God. They're not of creation. Hashem plucked them from Himself and planted them in creation. But in essence, the Jewish soul is not part of the creation. So when God retracts Him to Himself, He's lonely he wants to, he's himself, but he wants to be with who? Only with his other half, and that of the Jewish souls. 
Same is also on our end. All week, all week, week long, we're working and toiling and everything. Shabbos, God says, just like I retract to myself to be above the world and I want to spend with you, you do the same thing. So we drop everything else as, as well, and we're going to have dinner with God. That's what it is. We're going out. It's night out. It's only us two. And that's why Hashem says, Shabbos is only between me and the Jewish people. Be'ni or be'in b'nei Yisrael. No one else can have Shabbos. The non-Jews can't have Shabbos. They try. So they, they end up having Sunday. They're having Friday. They're Muslims. They can't have Shabbos. Shabbos is a connection, God and Israel. Only us. Because Hashem moves higher than the world, meaning more into Himself. We also move out of the world into ourselves. We discover our deepest desire he discovers his deepest desire, and that is that to be together. And every Shabbos, we're not, we're not within creation. That's why a person has to see Shabbos as if the world has come to an end. There's no worldliness on Shabbos. It's only you and Nishmas Kolchai Tavarech Hashimcha. You know what Shabbos is? Shabbos is one long Nishmas. If you say Nishmas with Kavana one time, you'll know what I'm talking about. Nishmas is a song where the soul is singing to God. No matter how much I praise you for all, it's an incredible praise that we add on Shabbos. The entire Shabbos is supposed to be Nishmas Kolchai. Uh, so we're obligated a little to eat and to this, to that, but that's not, Shabbos is not about sleeping, it's not about you know, eating chalent and kugel and all of that. Shabbos is about delighting in your relationship. It's a moment of deep romance with God. That's what it is. Now, Shabbos is that connection. The Rebbe says, and that's why it's called tshuva, because on Shabbos we're paying it, we're giving attention to each other. During the weekday, as we said before, the relationship runs stale. Now, here's a problem. A husband and wife that are just madly in love with each other, and all they do is are, are embraced and they're in love with each other all day long, and they're kissing and they're whatever they're doing all day long, that's not good. They're not going to build a family. They're not going to take care of their children. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to have a You know, he has to build. We have to make a difference in this world. You have to have a home. You have to have a business. You have to have, a, you have other things to do in life. You can't just... So it's with Hashem, it's the same thing with us. He, he tells us, okay, it's nice to be with you, Shabbos. Now you go do your thing, I'm going to go do my thing. We need to get stuff done. It's not like we can sit there and just be romantic with each other all the time. So during the week, it's our obligation, which we do our service for our God in making the world holy. That's what we're busy doing. And God is busy creating the world. Okay, Shabbos, but, but we have to have moments of closeness. Good. Then he continues and he says, that the problem, there is, however, there's a condition. You can't just have Shabbos if your weekday is completely, if during the weekday you're completely entangled and enmeshed in the world. If you're going to spend seven days on your computer and only one day looking at your wife, you might forget that she's your wife. Even when you go out with her, you're going to take your phone and whatever. You're going to forget that you're connected. You're going to forget that because you become so in you became so in touch with this that you 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 forgot your bond. So what happens? You have to keep Shabbos even in the week. That means in a relationship, once a day you should take three moments when you look your wife in your eye and you say, "Whatever, I love you." Even if it's just three minutes, even though it's not like when you're going on vacation or it's not like you're having a you know your night out. But the fact that you spend three minutes and say there's nothing in the world more precious than you, to me or me to you, you have those three minutes, you, you keep the door open to that place. 
then when you go there, you have a, you have a connection. If not, then your heart runs dry. And you start wondering, do I really love this person? Because you haven't stimulated it, you haven't connected. So you can't. That's why Hashem says, you can't be a whole week stuck in the world. You have to have a little bit of Shabbos every day. And that's your Shachar's prayer. Every day when you're davening, that's your time. That's the Shabbos of the day. It's a little piece of Shabbos of the day in which you maintain your, you, you reconnect. Now the difference of Shabbos and and, 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 and even davening is that Shabbos, it's a day completely connected to Hashem. You're not even in the world. You're not busy. Your, your business is shut. Your world is shut down. It's only Hashem. Shabbos Hashem, you're turning to God. Here, it's like the wife is in the kitchen. She's, she's doing dishes. She's cooking. But she turns around and glances at her husband and gives him a twinkle of a love. So even though she's still doing what she's doing and he is doing what he's doing, but they have that moment of connection from the work that they're doing in the place that they are. That's the difference. Shabbos, we leave this world into this godly state. In the weekday, we're in the world. And even when we're davening, we're still down here. We're, we're, we're reaching to climb up, but we're down here. But the point is, you make your connection. And the Rebbe said an interesting thing. It's not just davening. Davening is your Shabbos. But it's not only davening. It requires davening and mitzvah observance. During the day, a yid should always have mitzvahs being done during the day. Little tzedakah, little tefillin, little tzitzis, little this, little that. What's the mitzvah? And why both mitzvah and davening? So the mitzvah is like this. See, davening is... See, the distance that there are, the distance that there is between us and God is infinite. So, davening is a time when we're trying to, like, reach out to God. So, Shabbos, God lifts us up higher than the world. We spoke, Shabbos, the whole energy of the Shekhinah departs from the creation, the Shekhinah rises. The Jewish people better part of the Shekhinah rise. So God is lifting us up into Himself. It's great. God comes down towards the bride and He lifts her up. He swoops her up up there. It's beautiful. And we live together. During the weekday, we don't have that lift. We're being lifted. So we're, doing, we're praying. It's you praying on your own. You're evoking your heart. So how far can you really go with that? God is... So, so high, so high. So even though you're praying that you want to be connected, is that really a connection? You're desiring. So there needs to be a true connection. The mitzvah is a true connection. Why is the mitzvah a true connection? Because the mitzvah is an extension of God into this world. Prayer is you praying to Hashem. Mitzvah is God throwing you a lifeline. God is really throwing you a piece of Himself. God basically is in a mitzvah, Let's put it this way. A husband is busy, and I just thought of it right now. He's busy all day long in his business. The wife is busy in her work. And they're both in two different, and they're both occupied. So he might stop for a moment and think about her. Okay, but they're still far. The point is like, if she sends him a text during the day, hi, I love you, or he sends her something like that, a message of warmth and that means basically, even though she's, you know, 30 miles away in an office building or in a hospital, a nurse or whatever, I don't know, whatever she's doing, 
And he's what he really did through this text, he extended himself into her heart. Just as a little zinger, a little reminder that she has a husband. And that's what God does. Every mitzvah is really an expansion of himself into this world. Mitzvahs are called God's limbs. It's a way that Hashem mitigates himself and descends down into our worldly world. Shabbos, he plucks you out of the world. But in the week that he comes down into your world through a mitzvah, because the mitzvah is him, his energy flows into your heart. It keeps the heart moist. It keeps you, it keeps the, 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 the love flowing. And every day you do mitzvahs. The problem is, so then why can't you justify some mitzvahs? Why do you need prayer? We'll receive these text messages from Hashem all week long. Every time we do a mitzvah, He's sending and we're responding. We do the mitzvah, it's our response. Right? I love you too. That's really what it is. Isn't that beautiful? Because Yiddish guy, because most in, in most religious studies, no one ever tells you that a mitzvah is God basically saying, I want to connect. That's what it is. And we're saying, yeah, I, I, me too. That's really what you're saying. Me too. I want that connection. So you're making that, that return. So why isn't that enough? Why do you need prayer? Problem is that where, where do we find ourselves during the week in a physical world? For God to reach us, He has to come down into our f- very physical material condition that we're in. For Him to come down into our very physical material condition, He, be, he has to take the mitzvahs which are in essence, we have no clue what a mitzvah is. The mitzvah in essence is infinitely and utterly Godly. What do you think? Tzitzis are strings? Tzfilin is leather. These are awesome godly energies. Awesome, awesome godly powers. The problem is that in their godly state, they're way above our head, way beyond our understanding. So God has to like contract them into something physical. The problem is the moment they become physical, we forget that they're God. It just becomes another chore. A mitzvah becomes another another good deed. When God says, it's not a good deed, this is me. Give me a good deed. Like some people treat mitzvahs like a self-help kind of a thing. It's like you become a good person. That's ridiculous. It's not what it is. It's Hashem. So here he goes, he sends you a love, a love, a love message, and you're not hearing the love at all. All you're seeing is just this physical task to score points and get to Olam Haba kind of thing it's ridiculous so what happens is the mitzvahs come down but the mitzvahs need to be re-spiritualized after they descend they have to be re-spiritualized they come down and become materialized now they need to undo their physical husk and go back into the spiritual realms where we can see the divinity of the mitzvah, the godliness of the mitzvah, the pure light that's in the mitzvah, not just the physical shell of the mitzvah. So many Jews are turned off from Yiddishkeit because it looks just like, like ritual uh, laws. And without, when they don't realize that this is really just a kiss of God. But they don't see that. So you have to take the mitzvah back into the spiritual. How do you take the mitzvah back into the spiritual? You put the mitzvah back into the spiritual world through prayer. 
Because when you're davening, you're elevating yourself into a spiritual place. As you leave your physical body and, and suddenly become more spiritually conscious, and you rise even to a higher level of spiritual consciousness, so all the deeds that you did for God and about God rise with you. So the mitzvahs also come out of their outer shell of physicality, and the godly content of the mitzvah begins to reveal itself. And then as we, lo- we spoke last week, not only that, then you can hop a ride onto the mitzvah. Because as, even though your prayer, let's say, can take you to here, but as you, the mitzvah is, came all the way from Hashem Himself. The mitzvah is God's will. So it's not just, see, your davening is your feeling for God. The mitzvah is God. It's an agent of God. It's an expression of Hashem. So when you daven, you can only come to here. So let's go over again. Mitzvah is God Himself, but it's physical. When you're davening, it's you rising up, but you can only rise till here, not to the infinite heights. But when you lift your mitzvah up and make your mitzvah more spiritual, then the mitzvah is already free to soar. High, high, high. And the mitzvah far surpasses your own davening. The mitzvah grabs you and pulls you along with it up to its source from where the mitzvah comes from. And that is God himself. That's how you keep your connection alive during the weekday. So come Shabbos, you can really feel spiritual. So when we do mitzvahs during the week, accompanied by davening, we keep the window to our relationship open. Shabbos will come. Hashem lifts us up. We have a real deep union with Hashem. And a real deep love. This is really, a, this is really a, can be a Shalom Bayez class as well. This is in relationships. It's very important. Because people like expect that their romance will be very strong just because they'll spend like time with each other once in a blue moon. It doesn't work that way. It works if you keep if you keep your fire alive. You keep and what the most important thing is, not even when you're you're buying gifts or you're buying it's that you're attentive, you're there. That's what it is. Pun him upon him, face to face. Face to face. Hashem says, I want you. That's why it's so important that when we dive in that we're there. Today, the biggest makkah, the biggest, uh, the biggest impediment on our spirituality is that you see everybody davening with their phones. <laughs> Gets one thing if the phone automatically kicks in, and there's an email coming in, and this guy, it's like this, it's not face to face. Face to face means there's nothing existing, only you. That was the content of what we learned. Till now, Shabbos, turning face to face, the weekday, the combination of mitzvah together with tefillah. Mitzvah makes, gives you the connection to God's transcendence. Prayer enables the godliness of the mitzvah to shine. That's why he said that prayer in the Zohar is called a ladder. You create a ladder. And the mitzvahs are the malachim that are going up and down the ladder. First they're coming down. Before you do the mitzvah, the mitzvah is coming down to you. A mitzvah presents itself to you. And God is tapping you on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm asking you to do so and so. The mitzvah presents itself to you. That's the malach coming down. Then it's once you do the mitzvah, the malach is down here on earth. Now the malach has to get back up. So you have to give him a ladder. What's the ladder? 
your prayer. When you dive in, you give the malach a ladder. Now the malach is climbing up, you hop on the catch a piggyback ride on the back of the malach, and the malach takes you back up to where the malach comes from. Now this is not an ordinary malach. This malach is an agent of God, which means it's part of Hashem. So eventually this malach is reassumed in God's light, and it is Hashem. And your nisham is now plugged into the Ainsa. So now, once we got this going, so now the Rebbe is going to explain. How both kinds of mitzvahs play a role. So according to what we're learning now, prayer enhances the mitzvahs. It is a very deep, it's very important here. Prayer enhances your mitzvahs. But mitzvahs enhance prayer. Because without a mitzvah, your prayer is a human being seeking God, but not connecting. You don't have a line. Like you're trying, it's like, there's no, there's no connection. You can seek and seek and seek and seek and push the buttons from today till tomorrow and there's no connection. You need a line. You need a, you need a dial tone. You need a, a uh, what do you call it, a uh, signal. The mitzvah is the signal from God to connect. You need that connection. So we understand how mitzvahs are enhancing the prayer because they, they forge the bond. Now the Rebbe is going to explain how prayer has two levels in prayer. Two levels in prayer. A lower level of prayer which is more meditative prayer, where you're connecting to God based on your meditation. And then he's going to explain there is much deeper prayer, which we, don't, which we will call not meditative prayer, but pure soul prayer. It's a certain pro- point where you don't need meditation anymore, and your soul suddenly goes on fire. And then, the, then it's, it's happening on its own. It's not you meditate. You're not even guiding. You're just like, you're just watching this happen. Your neshama is like, it's from above. It's like suddenly something turned on in your soul, you don't even know what it is. As opposed to when you're like in control, you're thinking, and based on your thinking, that's your excitement. As opposed to a deeper experience of the, the, the deeper part of the neshama making its connection. External player in In both these types of prayer, he's going to explain you need divine assistance. Mitzvah observance is going to help in both these prayers. In the prayer where is what we call the fire of the neshama, the neshama like, the neshama going like ablaze. That's for sure you need God's assistance. Because why does the neshama go ablaze? It connects, it suddenly senses God's light and it makes this bomb. It like suddenly fires up, it flares up. So of course over there Hashem's assistance is pivotal in that connection. Without that it's not happening. You know, you need the spark from above to make it happen. Without the spark from above, even though you have a spark, but the spark is not going to happen without meeting that, that godliness. Meditative prayer we might think you can do it on your own because you're getting excited based on your meditation, on your appreciation of what you understand. But yet, even in meditative prayer, it's a very important idea. Even in meditation, when you're meditating, you can have very dry meditation. When you're, when you're meditative just on concepts that you learn, 
and there's nothing spiritual, there's no energy there, you're just thinking about, which creates the world. The point is whenever you're meditating, this is a very, very important idea, when you meditate and you make an attempt to connect to God, God will always match that meditation. And He will always meet you in the meditation. So when you're meditating, you're actually suddenly at a certain point, you're connecting. I'm not even talking about that explosion of the soul taking over. No, just that the meditation is actually reaching somewhere. And it's connecting to some kind of a divine. And then you're appreciating the richness of, the, of, of godliness in your mind at least. In a real way, because there is a connection being made. You're seeking Hashem and Hashem reveals Himself to you. That's what it is. Two levels. One, Hashem reveals Himself to you. Through, through, through the mind, through intelligence and understanding. And then there is a level where God himself reveals himself to you. Not through the world, it's Hashem himself. That's when it fires up your nishama itself. So it's not like a co- intellectual cognition. It's just something, it's pure heart, much stronger than the mind. So in both cases you need to meet something godly. He's going to explain those are the two types of mitzvahs that we have. Positive mitzvahs, prohibitive commandments. Positive mitzvahs enable us to connect to God on the lower form of connection. We'll see why in a minute. More through the meditative form of prayer in which we make a connection. When we're seeking to know God in our mind, God reveals Himself to our brain, to our mind, and we we can make that connection. Through the mitzvahs that you do, if you do mitzvahs, then you, make, then you get a signal. If you don't do any mitzvahs, or if you are negligent in mitzvahs, so even if you're trying to daven, you're like hitting a wall. It's sometimes sad that we all feel, we don't know what that is. You try, boom. You try, boom. It's not good. At a certain point in your life, okay, forget it, I'll daven tomorrow. <laughs> you're not making a connection. You just, it's not working. It's just not going. Right? It's usually because of a lack, you had an opportunity to do a mitzvah, someone came to you for help, someone needed, and you turned your back. And you don't realize, you're not even putting it together. Someone needed assistance. Someone reached out for tzedakah. God, you have the ability to do the mitzvah, and you turned your back on that mitzvah. So when you're seeking God to make that connection in your prayer, in the davening, there's no signal. It's like you're trying to go online, and there's no signal on your phone. or There's no... Uh, what is it called? No uh, connection. Wi Fi connection to that? Yeah, signal, whatever. But then there's something else. And then, for the much higher form of prayer, where it's your essence of your neshama craving the essence of God, not based on understanding, not, it's like this, this inner light that comes to us only on very special occasions. And then a shama goes on a fire. And then it's, that can only happen when there is no blockages between Hashem and the person. If a person violated one of the prohibitive commandments, it's going to explain, then that places a barrier, that places a barrier between the neshama there's a certain place where your neshama doesn't need understanding to love God. It's called, see, there's a different kind of love. It's called, it's called natural love. The soul loves God because it's a piece of God. 
You love God like a child loves a parent. It's not because, see, for a non-Jew, God is this great creator. He's awesome, big creator, creates the world. For a Jew, God's my daddy. It's a whole different story. But to be able to feel that closeness, that God is my daddy, my, my deepest love, there can't be a barrier. That barrier is blocked, as we're going to see soon, through the prohibition. If a person violates an Avera, does something that God said he shouldn't do and he does it, 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 it disables the ability for the neshama to sense God and love God with this, with this irrational, illogical love, much deeper fiery love. And that's a block. Not allowing the prayer to happen. So he's going to explain that the the damage that is done through the positive commandment through not doing the positive commandment is is easier to fix because it's in the part of the relationship where we are more responsible for making it happen because after all we're talking about meditation Meditation is 90% you. It's just that the meditation should land somewhere. It's 10% God helping you with that meditation. So then, it's more up to the person. So therefore, it's more fixable by the person. You do tshuva immediately, you're forgiven. And you make the connection. But the deeper love, which is very little, very little a product of us. It's 90% God and 10% our effort. To fix that, when that has been damaged, it's a much deeper level of soul when that has been damaged, you can't fix it just by doing tshuva. You have to wait till God gets very lonely up there and he really seeks a relationship. And that's on Yom Kippur. In other words, it's once a year where God says, I must, I must connect to my, to my bride. I must connect to my love. Yom Kippur is a time when God is, is, is looking for the relationship really strongly. He's in touch. He gets in touch with, he speaks soon with his Pneumia Salev and says, I miss, I miss you so much. So then at that time, we can clear away that whatever it is that's blocking and the connection is made. So again, when the disconnect is a disconnect in an area where it's more our work from below than just like it's the work itself, the connection is more our work, so the repair is also more in our hands. So we can repair it anytime. Do an Avera, you can repair it immediately. But when the, the damage is done in an area of your neshama, where your neshama is a pure recipient of God's light, not something that you are... It's not that you're... You're not even proactive. It has to happen on its own. See, this type of love that we spoke about earlier, you're not even in control when it happens. It's like it comes upon you. Like we all know, we know what this is, that sometimes spirituality just, it like, it, 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 you don't even know why. It gets you. You have this deep moment in prayer. You have a deep moment of joy. You're singing a nigan, and suddenly your heart opens. And it's not even when you were trying. It just happened. It's like in a Shama had a flare-up. A holy flare-up. A wonderful flare-up. It has to do with merit. It has nothing to do with like effort. You can't push it. It either happens or it doesn't happen. Meditation, you could do. 
And by meditation, you can be frustrated if it doesn't happen. Because meditation, after all, it's up to you. But even then, you need to have, say, see, here's the thing. Even in meditation, you need God to match you. But there, you're more in control. Both you create the relationship more on, you, on our terms, our work. Now, we need mitzvahs to assist it. Then Hashem is only an assister. The mitzvah is only an assister in this relationship. Then if you do tshuva, you, it's easier fixed because it's more your, 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 your work. But in the other kind of a love, where the love is completely spiritual, and it's purely coming from the neshama, and it's only being evoked from the neshama when God throws a fire down on the neshama, when God suddenly beams the soul with his love. Suddenly the soul feels that love, it goes ablaze. God does that, and He wants to do that all the time. But if there's an Avera, then God is not shining His face on the person. Then there's a block. It's not allowing that to come through. It's a cloud blocking the sunlight. So even when Hashem is beaming that light, it's not reaching the person. To take that away, being that it's not, requires more of a divine action than our work. So you have to wait to Yom Kippur when Hashem blows away all the clouds. That's the theme he's going to develop. And that's why, even though a positive mitzvah is maybe greater and more important, because we're going to see soon, a positive mitzvah is more effective down here. It's more, it's more about reaching the person down here as opposed to a prohibitive commandment damages the soul on a more spiritual level. A sin damages the soul on a more spiritual level. A positive commitment brings godly down, godliness down more in the material. So which one is more important? What's the most important is godliness in this world. That's why when the two conflict with each other, which one overrides which? A positive mitzvah overrides the negative. Because even if there might be damage being done in some spiritual source, the fact that through the mitzvah you'll bring Hashem down here, having Him down here is more important than a connection up there. Because ultimately the most important thing is in is to make for Hashem a dwelling place in the physical world down here. So that's why that overrides everything. However, being that the damage of a prohibitive mitzvah is more spiritual, therefore more in the divine realm, it's harder to fix. Through our actions. We need God to help us, and that's why for that you need Yom Kippur. That's the idea. Now let's first read inside Siv Gimel. I, basically what I just did, is I gave you the mimer, uh, you know, where he's going to take this. Now we're going to read it inside. V'hinek siv, it says in the Pasuk, this is on page 136. Actually, is there another copy? There's one over here. There's one over here. Now she took that, Okay. Herschel. Water, that's important. Now this idea, this idea, this is Gavaldic. This idea, this idea that in our love to God in prayer, there is two levels 
there's, there's our inspiration that we create. Our inspiration that we create on our own. And then there is the inspiration that comes from above, a higher love. This idea was seen in the Beis Amigdash. See, our heart is the, is the altar, is the Mizbeach. In the Beis Amigdash, they offered a carbon. On the, on the, they burnt the carbon on the Mizbeach. And they burnt the carbon, they burnt an animal on the, on the altar. And on the altar, there were two types of fire. There was the fire that the Kohanim created by putting wood. And then there was a fire that came down from heaven. So you see, there's a fire from heaven, and there's a fire that they created. Now the exact imagery of a mizbeach burning an animal, we all have an animal inside of us covering on who we really are. We have an animal. Every day we have to burn that animal so we can expose who we really are. We have to burn the animal, the outer husk of our animal self, which is the narcissistic part of ourselves that's busy just with ourselves. Burn that down so that we can discover who we, our, our true essence, that we're godly beings in this world. So we, how do we burn our animal? In the fire of davening. But the fire of davening has two parts to it. The beginning of prayer is you're putting your fire down. You're creating inspiration by your own meditation. You learn something, you meditate, you create inspiration. But then at a certain point, the fire comes down from heaven. That means God touches your soul. And now, you, now, now, the, now whatever you meditated almost becomes irrelevant. You sense Hashem in your neshama a different type of experience. Fire from below, fire from above. He's going to say, and that's a point he's going to develop, is that positive mitzvahs influence more the fire from below. Prohibitive mitzvahs influence more the fire from above. We'll understand that a little better as we learn. It says that the sons of Aaron should put fire on the Mizbeach. And the sages say that even though fire comes down from heaven, mitzvah, you still have to bring it from private. Because also above, because also above, that means in our spiritual service, there is Aaron that brings us fire from above. See, when he says Aaron giving fire, he's talking about the fire from Menashemayim. Simply, because you, you can make a mistake in the Mimer and say, there's Aaron who puts the fire, so that's similar to what it says earlier, that the Bnei Aaron have to put fire on the Mizbeach. No. The Bnei Aaron that are putting fire, these are the sons of Aaron. They're putting fire from below. Aaron brings down the fire from above. So spiritually, you have Aaron. Who is Aaron? Aaron is the high priest who's still alive today, even though physically he's not alive. His neshama is still alive. And he is the one who literally, when we daven, he lights our menorah. He puts fire on our mezbeach from above. That means he's, because we know that there are seven souls that are called the seven shepherds. And they, and they tend the flock. That's all the souls of Israel. And they nurture the flock. They feed the flock. And they've come to visit us in the sukkah. Aaron comes in one of the days. He, he's up. Ki Aaron u'shashvina Because Aaron is the escort of the bride. 
His job is to bring the Jewish people closer to God. Moshe Rabbeinu is the escort of the groom. Moshe's job is to bring God down. Aaron's job is to lift us up. When a chassan and kala go to a chuppah, someone brings the chassan, someone brings the kala. Why were the two people taking the Jewish people out of Egypt? Because ultimately the coming out of Egypt was to make them... We never had a dual leadership. In all of history, there's one leader. Suddenly when we got out of Mitzrayim, there's two leaders. And the answer is because now they were going to make a chuppah. The whole point of going out of Mitzrayim was for the marriage. For the marriage to happen, you have to have someone bringing the chassan. Someone lifting the people. Moshe brings God to the people. Aaron lifts the people up, Tasha. Um, so he's from the seven shepherds. Hamashpiim that deliver divine revelation. Now, really, the main source of Aaron is he's feeding, giving light to the Shekhinah, which is the source of, of all the Jewish souls. Shekhinah is the, the bride of God. So he's giving her the fire she needs to go up. But as he delivers energy into the Shekhinah, he gives that energy into every neshama that's part of the Shekhinah. So that's why, Now what's this fire from above? He explains that is a soul rapture. That's a soul flare-up. And what does that mean? It's when the neshama suddenly starts longing for God without an explanation. It's not like, and it, it doesn't need sophisticated understanding of who, who God is. It's just a fire. It's a great love of the neshama, which this fire, this great love, is embedded in every neshama, in the level of the chachma of your soul. Chachma over here doesn't mean sophisticated wisdom. It's in the power of bittel. Chachma is the power of bittel that every neshama has, the power to surrender itself to God. In there lies this essential, inexplicable, inexplainable desire to cleave to God. That's this fire. Explainable, it's an inexplainable desire to cleave Tashem. And it lays dormant. Problem is, it's there all the time. Every Jew has it. It's dormant. So Aaron sends the spark. And when he sends a spark, it flares. I am a Sifrish Obeyan in Perikutchas and Yutas. Look in Tanya chapter 18 and chapter 19, where it explains this at great length. This natural love that every Jew has, this is what will drive a person to even give his life up for God's sake. And then in Egeris HaKodesh, in the last section of Tanya, the Alter Rebbe explains that if you love God, and you really are a serious worshiper, you really daven and you this, but you don't experience this love, then you're seriously in exile. Seriously in exile. Until you don't feel this love, that's, fun. that's when your nisham is free. To feel this love. Um, a few weeks ago, we learned the Mimer on Pasha's Ekev, where we learned that God is considered, per- we learned then about the land of Canaan, Eretz Canaan, a few weeks ago. And we learned that Canaan means a merchant. And by a merchant, we learned that the way he acquires something is that you first, he gives money. The, the buyer picks up the object and then he pays money for it. And that's how the acquisition works. So he explained, picking up the object is we desiring to be lifted up to Hashem. 
God, we making a serious effort to lift ourselves up to Hashem. That's called, you're yanking, you're pulling yourself away from the gravity of this world. You're lifting yourself up. When you do that, God pays cash. The cash that he pays is silver, kesef. Kesef means money, kesef means silver. Kesef means longing. So when you have a serious measure, desire to cleave and to bond, God channels a heavenly longing down in your neshama. In other words, he let, allows your neshama to feel that he is longing for your soul. And when your neshama feels that God is longing for your soul, that you can't help but long back. Obviously, it's that. Hashem's heart is very powerful. So if God is longing for you, it's a suction. So it pulls your soul with an intensity. And that is... Now this, this love is a very spiritual love. What do you mean it's very spiritual? It doesn't even become enclosed in your mind. See, Hasidus tells us this is gewaldig. But you can't rely on it for two reasons. First of all, it doesn't happen all the time. Secondly, it's beautiful, but it doesn't really... This is a very, very important point. This love is gewaldig, but there's a very big advantage of loving God also because you understand who He is and what He is, and you love Him. And very simple reason. When you're loving God only with this love, it's not really affecting your body. It's not affecting your physical side. It's almost like your neshama gets pulled away from your body and it goes for a dance up there. But your body and your human side doesn't participate. You're saying? Your human side doesn't participate. It's like this heaven inside of you that God, you know, the love that has to do with meditation and thinking is a love that, engage, that you're loving God as a human being. You with your own intelligence, with your own mind, with your own understanding. So he's saying this love is not enclosed in your body. It's not enclosed in your animating soul. It's, it transcends your, 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 your material regular self. It's your higher self that got excited. Um, it, it doesn't mean that you don't feel it consciously. You're feeling it consciously. But once it goes away, you, can't, you don't even know what it was. You have no... You just, you just felt good. You know, ah, it felt good. It was like, hi. But, but, but it doesn't really... Oh, the himislahevis. This is like, when it goes on fire, it goes ablaze. Umislahetas. And it's... Bimesiris nefesh. It can lead a person to jump in a fire. Al-Kiddush Hashem. It leads a person to give his life up. For God's sake. It's when they threaten a Jew that he has to give up his Judaism, and they'll kill him, he's willing to die. It's because at that moment he feels this love, this inseparable bond. The nature of this love is that it wants to get away from the body. Like fire that wants to go away from the wick. It's like, it's pulling. And if not, um, which is the body, which is holding it. And it's like a flame that goes up on its own. So this is this higher love. And you only feel it when you're touched by God. It's there, potential. But you need Hashem to like, you need Aaron HaKohen to come and deliver a divine spark. There it goes. But it won't happen. Usually, this love will not happen until you first make a sincere effort. That's why it says, that in the Beis Amigdash, 
if the Kohanim didn't put fire on the altar, the fire from above would not come down. It's after you put your own fire. I want to see. God says, get your fire going. You get your fire going, I'll come with my fire. You have to first bring from below. Fire from below. How do you bring fire from below? You need to contemplate. In God's greatness. Everybody in accordance to their ability. Because, I mean, everybody according to their mind capacity. To the time that they have, mind capacity. Where you have to fire up your heart. Make an effort. You think about things that will, will make you aware of God's beauty and greatness and power and, and goodness that He's done to you and He continuously does to you, that you get excited. To inflame His heart, the nafshay and His soul, to the service of Hashem. Now the Rebbe is going to say, this, now he's going to give us a little, a little exercise. He says, in order to create a love that's not, now the problem with this love is that it can be very mellow. It's like you meditate, it's nice, God is nice, he's good, he's big. The Rebbe says, no, it has to be fire. If the cre- Even though it's your fire, it has to be fire, burning. How does it burn? So that means you can't just have like this ordinary meditation of God. If you're meditating how God created the world 6,000 years ago, or whatever, 5,775 years ago, and you still want to get excited about that, every day you'll think about that, it's nice, but it's going to be like a stale excitement. It's not going to be. The Rebbe says that you should meditate. Every day, God just created the world right today. Why? Because night, just like... He's going to explain right now how a person can meditate, how the creation is totally new, because when it becomes day every day, it's like the creation is emerging from nothingness into existence. So when you make it up and personal, the God right now created you, and it's a new thing gets a person excited. An old story is an old story. So the Rebbe is telling you that even when you're meditating, to make that meditative love fiery, the meditation has to be fresh. Your siddur can't be yesterday's siddur. The siddur has to be today's siddur, a new siddur. You never had this siddur before. Baruch Olam is a new word. You never said this before. Wow, it's crazy. Why? Because the world is new. Let's see. In order to have it like flames of fire, is is when a person contemplates in something new. Like we see literally, when someone sees a novelty, you get very excited. Every day should be to you like new. When the wise men will contemplate, because in truth, every morning is a really a new world. And God renews every single day the world of create the work of creation. May ayin from absolute nothing liesh to something. And when darkness comes, it's as like the world ceased to exist. It's darkness. The Yistalik has gone away. And now it's light of day, a new creation. You see it by yourself. That at night, you're sleeping. What happens when you sleep? There's actually a life withdrawn from you. 
because your neshama goes away from your body to a certain degree. Your life force goes away from you, or at least it's it's compromised. Chazal tell us that sleep that sleep is a sixtieth of death. When you wake up, you're refreshed. You go to sleep exhausted. You wake up, you're refreshed. That means God, because your neshama came back in. So you're a small, just like you're that way. The whole look at the whole world as a body, and at night the whole world is in a slumber. In the morning, God is like re-energizing. It's a new life force. The whole world wakes up today, and the birds wake up, and the roosters wake up, and the world is waking up to a new day, to a new creation. This is anti-aging. When you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you live like this, every day is a new world. It's, it keeps you young. And with this you will understand. On all the formations of the world. So it is. And their life force that's in them. It, it, it retracts. It races out of them. It goes back to its source. And then it re-enters again. It returns in us in the morning. To enliven the world for another. When a person will see this with your own eyes. It's very important that we can visualize. The reason why he's talking about night and day. Because he's giving. Why can't you just like. Because you have to be able to visualize. When you visualize it. It becomes far more real. That's why he's giving you the. He's letting you see it. Look at you were sleeping. You woke up in the morning. You see how night turns into day. See that. See that as the creation being created now. From nothing to something. And his heart will understand. This is novelty. This is new. Who came therefore Yaliv Libai, his heart will be inflamed. The Yasim Elav Libai Vinishmasai. And he's gonna say, What an awesome God. And he's gonna direct to God his heart and his soul. Which means suddenly God is God just created me, just created the whole world around me. How can I not be excited about the one who created me? Just gave me life today. And like it says, Tzak libam, the heart cries out. What do you mean? Why are you crying? This is wonderful. No, because the heart says, I want to be close to you. I want to connect to you. Tzak libam. And he says, And this is turning your face. We spoke about before that davening at least should be, even though during the week we're back to back, but at least for a few minutes in the day you should turn and say hi and make the connection and say, God, I really love you. So when do you do that? Because you're turning your face. Why are you turning your face? You're acknowledging. He says because without this, God's, God is still doing it. God is still making night and day, creating the world, creating you. But when you're not noticing it, God is also creating you without any special interest. It's just like part of the, part of the masses. Shem is creating the world, it's creating part of them. When someone acknowledges it and turns to God, God acknowledges and turns to you. It's instant. You're turning your face. He says, because just like, because he says, he says, because what's the whole idea of turning your face? Turning your face is such a beautiful idea. Because the, you hear preachers, Jewish preachers who walk around, they, if you don't keep Shabbat, you're going to lose your money, and you're going to lose it. You keep Shabbat, you're going to be, you're going to get, uh, you know, uh, make a lot of money and business. Yeah or no? I know plenty of people who started keeping Shabbos and their businesses went pew. And plenty of people who don't keep Shabbos and their businesses are going really well. It's very dangerous to say. That's just simply not true. In the ultimate run, it is true. Doing God's will is always good for you. But it doesn't mean always that it adds up, at least not immediately. And a person can make a lot of money 
when they keep their business open on Shabbos, but they have to spend it on doctor bills. They don't realize it. Or on, you know, uh, the plumbing breaks down in their business and it costs them $60,000 to fix it. And that's a whole year's profit that he made on Shabbos all goes down in the aggravation of fixing his plumbing. So we don't know how God's works, but I'm not saying that, you know, doing Hashem's mitzvahs ultimately is good for us and not. But what the Rebbe is saying over here, you're in a relationship with God no matter what. It's back to back. He's going to give you. He's going to sustain you. But it's back to back. The whole difference is, is it face to face? Is it with love? Is it with deep affection? So when you are wrecked, when God is real to you, when you see Him every day in creation, when suddenly, wherever you look, you see, when you see the sun, you're seeing Hashem shining through the sun. When you, isn't that amazing? When you feel the wind, you say, Ah, Hashem, thank you. It's such a good breeze. You feel God in the wind. Hashem is fanning you. You, you, you. You're literally sensitive to feel God in everything. You make a dollar, you feel, Thank you, Hashem, for putting this dollar in my pocket. Everything is suddenly so alive with godliness, so filled with light. That's face to face. There is a recognition. As he says, Just like there is a front and a back in the body, so there is in the soul. We spoke earlier. We said earlier that even a, before a person becomes cognitive of this, before a person takes this to his heart, so it is, whether you're davening or you're not davening, so it is, that God enlivens the world from absolute nothing into something. And he, and, and he renews every day. Every do in a creation. You can't say you're far. Because whether you're, even if, even if you're not giving God a, a second thought, God is still taking care of you. But understand something. Your relationship is as follows. It's like a person. God is feeding you. But he's throwing it over his back. Means he's not... He's doing it with his external interest, not with his internal interest. Turns away, he turns his face away from him. In every company, you have a lot, lot of workers. And let's say it's a small business. I'm not talking about a huge business, but a small business where the guy has like, you know, his 20, 20, 30 workers. And he does payroll every, every you know, two weeks. That's payroll. And he likes himself to give out the checks. So you have the people who are just showing up to work and he, so he gives them, you know, he has to pay them. Sometimes he's even thinking, I have to replace so-and-so, but meanwhile, I don't find the replacement. So the guy could be sitting there for a year, two years, three years. And he gives him his check. But then there's this like one guy who's really working to make the company really, you know, say, so he gives him the check too, but there's a twinkle in his eye. That's it. That's the whole difference. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the twinkle in the eye. It's like, give him more, give him less. Maybe he'll give him a raise. Maybe That's not the issue. The issue is there is a relationship. When he makes a personal birthday party, he's inviting him. Not inviting the other guy. Because he, it says by Avram Avinu, 
You found his heart trustworthy. His heart is there. His soul is there. So that's why he says, So if the person suddenly takes into heart this idea, He's like he turns his face back to his, to his friend. And that's really the Nusach of Davening. He says, when you're saying Baruch Atta, what you're really saying is Baruch Atta Hashem. Meaning, Melech Olam, you're the king of the world. We, we say, he says he says something really gishmak over here. We say Baruch Atta Hashem Melech Olam. Melech Olam means God is the king of the world. Okay? So God has the world, He creates the world. But Hashem's creating of the world is kind of like, almost like an autopilot. He creates it every day from new, true. But it, again, it's only from his external light. When we say Baruch Atta, we say God. And God's Ah. So Hashem is in that act. He's not just doing it, like I said before. Not just, he's doing it and he's there. We're asking Hashem to be there. In the act of creating the world, I want you. I want to be connected to you. I don't want to just, you know, have my parnas. It's like, I mean, this is really what we should be davening when we say, Avinu Malkeinu. Sadly, so many times we, we, our whole davening is, God, give me parnasa, give me life, give me this, give me this, and give me that, and then go away. Go as far as you can, and just give me, give me, give me, give me. And, uh, it's not what it is. I want you to give me. I want to feel that you're giving me. I want to sense that it's coming from you. You're there. So he says, Baruch melech oilam, the worlds are being drawn from God's attribute of kingship, which we spoke earlier is God's back. That your kingship is the kingship of all worlds. It's the external. He calls his name upon them. But we're asking, You yourself should come down. That God should come down, reveal Himself from world to world, meaning from the hidden world into the revealed world, He should be your present. That the world should be blessed by having Hashem's fully, full, full interest from concealed to the revealed. We should be able to say on Him, This is my God. Who's feeding me? Who's taking care of me? Ata you noichach in a revealed way. We want to see your face. We're turning our face to you. Please show us your face. That's davening. So remember, Shabbos is when we completely turn our faces to God. Don't forget about the world. In the weekday, we make is what we learned in the beginning. We make this connection at least during davening, to get back face to face. He makes it, now he's going to connect this, how these two loves are dependent on our observance of the two types of mitzvahs. Because again, this whole last few moments, he was describing how to accomplish meditative love, that it should be fiery. But before that he said that before, he spoke about a higher level of love, a love a flare-up of the neshama, which comes from above. In addition to that, he said, you have to bring fire from below. What's the idea of the fire below? Meditate on how the world is new every day and feel Hashem in it. 
That's called turning face to face. Face to face. And when you and if you have, if you merit to have the higher love reveal in you, oh wow, that's super intense. That's for sure face to face. Two levels in face to face. Both levels of love are two levels in face to face. Now in Exiv, now he's gonna tell us, however, that remember we said earlier that man's effort really to love God, where is that really taking you? It's a human being loving. Who's a human being? Not even a tiny little... Imagine an ant decides to love us. What does the ant know of you? The brain of the ant, what does he know of you? What does he even realize of who you are? To, you, you're, to, to, to the ant, you're just a big... I don't know, what, I'm trying to imagine from an ant's world what, when he looks at you, what you are. What, what, what does a human being look to an ant? From the brain of what an ant can process. Can you say that the ant is really... And this, let's say that one day this ant keeps on coming, but the same ant. Because you're doing a scientific thing and you put a little marker on it so you, have a little, so you know which ant this is. And this ant keeps on coming back every day. You say, wow, this ant really loves me. So therefore what? <laughs> therefore what? Two, what I mean to say is two things. First of all, you should, why should be impressed by what the ant loves you? Secondly... Is the ant really knowing you in any way? I don't know. What does the ant see in a person? So I'm saying all of our meditation, all of our knowledge, and all of our seeking to God, why should that impress an infinite, endless, boundless God? Why? That's why you have to say that if there's no godly interest and godly, godly reciprocation to what we're doing, it's really more meaningless. So you're loving, so who cares? That's why both loves require a divine... The love, that's a soul flare-up for sure. It's totally God's. It's Hashem has to shine His light on your neshama. We spoke earlier, that's God's giving money. That's the kesef. You lift yourself and Hashem fired. For sure that's godly. But even meditative love, which comes from below, is the meditation will only work if you're... You're meditating on something and hopingly that that which you're meditating on opens up to you. Whenever you're meditating, you're really going to a door and you're knocking on the door. You need someone to open the door so that you walk in in that meditation. That's why we know that we always give tzedakah before davening. You're doing certain things to help that you should be successful in your meditation. Or else it just can be hollow, hitting hollow walls. So he's going to explain, and that's what we spoke earlier, the positive mitzvahs enable us to connect to God when we're meditating. The prohibitive mitzvahs make sure that there's no blockage, that when God wants to shine His light upon us, there's nothing blocking. So keeping it clean so that we can experience the higher love. What's the connection? I would think that positive commitments are higher than negative commitments. Now it comes out that the negative commandments are higher than the positive commandments. Because it's relating to a higher love. So he's going to base it on that in Hashem's name, there's two parts to God's name. There is, Hashem's name is four letters, yud Kei vav Kei. So the yud Hey is called the concealed world. And the vav Kei is called the revealed world. The hidden world and the concealed world. Concealed, concealed world is higher. 
It's concealed from anybody. It's God's private. The revealed world is God as he's manifesting more in the creation, as he's showing himself more to the creation. He's going to bring a very powerful, interesting statement, a shocking statement from the Zohar. That our connection to the two lower letters of God's name, the Vavke, which is God's more revealed side, more understandable, apprehendable side, the part that we can apprehend and kind of relate to, that is the positive commandments are connected to the Vavke of God's name. The prohibitive commandments are connected to the Yudke of Hashem's name. The Yudke is the more concealed part of God. So, what does that tell you? that the prohibited commandments are rooted in a much higher place than the positive commandments. Yeah, a hidden thing that we don't know. It says in the Pasuk, This is my name for, to be concealed. And this is my remembrance, and the Zohar says, Shmi, the word my name, Im Yutke with Yutke, La'olam, that's supposed to be concealed. That's the word Shemi, which is 300 and. 350. Shin Mem Yud, almost like Shemi. Shemi. Shin Mem Yud, 350. Together with 15, from the Yutke, is 365. So Yudke with the word Shemi make 365 prohibitions. The word Zichri, which is Gematria, um, Zichri is Gematria, Reish Yod is 210, 300 and 337, I'm sorry, 247, 237. 247. 237. And when you add to it the Vav K of God's name, which Vav K is 11, 247 plus 11 is 248. 237 plus 11 is 248. So the question is why is the Zohar connecting Zichri, which is the positive commandments, with the Vav K and the prohibitive commandments with the Yud K? It's telling you that the prohibitive commandments are touching a much deeper, higher part of God. And a positive commandment is coming from God's revealed side. Simple words, God is revealing to us who He is and what He is in the mitzvahs. He says, I like Shabbos, I like this, I like... It's like, <laughs> it's like you're dating someone, you're getting to know someone, they tell you everything they like. It's nice. And you get to know, you like this kind, you like this. Fine. But they don't reveal everything. Then when you get married, and you do something, and then suddenly you realize you pushed the wrong button. Oh my goodness, guys. And that's like a much deeper place in them than what they reveal. It's like a nerve that, 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 that it's, it's not what they want, but it's something that, that goes against who they are. That like hits... It's, that's a more, so it's not like they can't even, it, it's not, once you say, I want this and I want this, I, I like this, I like chocolate, I like vanilla, I like, these are all things you like and you can express. 
the more expressible side of you. But the things that just rub you wrong, that hit you in the wrong place, that is like on a more prior, and that usually you only find out by violating it. And when you're violating, oh, okay, I know I, I, know I don't do that again. Right? I learned my lesson. Right? So that's with God the same thing. The deeper element of God, what he dislikes, what is against him, that's what, it, 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 it contradicts who he is on a much deeper place. And those are the things that he says, don't, it just, it can't be there. Those are the, the prohibitive commandments. Today in the morning, I, no, today, Friday, I, I ran out already, like uh, a week ago, I usually I go to the mikveh in the morning and I take have my shampoo sitting there and I ran out of shampoo. So I was supposed to get a new shampoo already two weeks, meanwhile. So Friday I finally got, oh, I, I keep on forgetting, I'm very absent-minded. So whenever I'm, I keep on forgetting. I always remember when I can't buy it, like either early morning, even before the store is open. And so Friday I finally go and I get the shampoo. But when I go to the store in Irwan, I, li- I like using natural stuff, not the... Uh, not the chemicals. So I like this certain kind of shampoo. It's got this citrus smell. It's a good shampoo. So I come to the store and I'm looking for the citrus. Uh, and I see lavender and I see uh, they have like a peppermint, uh, whatever, and this and that. And then I see citrus. But then I look, the citrus is the conditioner, not the shampoo. I mean, use conditioner. I use only the shampoo. When I find, I find another citrus, there is the citrus... The citrus vanilla. Now, I'm not vanilla guy. I'm a chocolate guy. I'm not a vanilla guy. But I really wanted the shampoo. I'm finally here. I'm really getting it. I see different kinds, but I want this kind. So I take it and I smell it. I only smell the lemon. I don't smell the vanilla. So I say, this is good. I'm getting it. So I go and I, I bought the shampoo. Today, today in the morning is when I finally took it with me. And I come to the shower and I'm trying to... Just this vanilla. And this, the good part about the shampoo, I have it actually right over there. It's right over there. The, the good part about it, I always liked it, is that this shampoo lasts like for six months. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh. Every morning, I'm going to have this vanilla. So I realize how opposite it is of who I am, this vanilla smell. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm either going to take it back or I'm going to sell it. Or I'm going to sell it on eBay. <laughs> My vanilla shampoo, I can't have it. So, like, there's certain things that God says, he just doesn't like the smell of it. It just doesn't work for him. And therefore, he can't connect to you if you have that odor. That's it. That's like, that's not the smell he wants. That's the Avera. It's like, so it's not about, it's like, it's, it's, again, there is the things that he, that he positively can identify and tell us. Then there's certain things that, can I explain why I don't like vanilla? I just don't like it. It, it, it is. This is. It's against who I am. The 365 prohibitions are against whatever they mean. Okay, they mean physical and they also have spiritual meaning. They stand in opposition. So I'll smell it. <laughs> you don't smell it, I'm telling you. I smelled it, it didn't work. Only when I, I, I used it. I guess, the, I guess from your skull you can smell differently than when you smell from your nose. Yeah. Oh, good. You, you smell the vanilla? All right. I didn't smell the vanilla. See, you don't either. He's got a good vanilla smell. In any case, um, 
So he says like this. So when someone transgresses a positive commandment, so a, 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 a biblical positive commandment, or its branches, the Rabbanon that are, that even that are rabbinic, but they're branches of a positive commandment, this is like, this is a pagam in the vav ke. It's like, you know, someone you love tells you they like so and so and you forgot to get it for them. Something that they like. Something they want. You forgot to like, you, you were negligent or you, or you didn't care enough to get it or whatever. It definitely damages the relationship. Definitely is not good, especially if you do it a lot of times. Do it once, okay, you're kind of good. But if you like, every time forget, it's like, it's not good. Which isn't the case if you're over on a losase, then you're hitting already in the yutke of God, in the more sensitive, a more deeper inner side of God. He says, look at the maimer which we learned a few years ago, in the yutke and the vavke that there is in the soul. The mimer we learned two weeks ago about God not wanting to listen to Bilam. And he turned over the curse to the blessing. Over there he explained how the neshama has first the kutzei shal yud. He just learned it two weeks ago, this mimer. The kutzei shal yud, and then the neshama has the yud, and then the neshama has the hay, and the vav. And that is, but we just learned this. But in any case, ubir So the explanation of this idea is, Kiloshen pegam. When we say that there is a pegam, who nekev sheyesh b'chesaren, it means like there is a hole, a hole that is actually missing some of the material. It's like when you make a hole, like in an esrog, there is a hole where it's just it's it's not missing anything. Then there is a hole, which means something was taken out. It's, it's the kasha. So when you, when a person is mevatel a mitzvah, I say a positive commandment, who chisaren, he makes a a, a chisarin, something lacking umenia, she'ena meyer olav oyer almadiz galia, the light of the world of revelation. What does that mean? We spoke earlier. The more external side of Hashem, where Hashem reveals Himself to us as this, as a compassionate being, as a caring, as a these are all Hashem's attributic side, which He reveals to us through. Right, so. When we do his mitzvahs, then we're in sync with these past, with these channels. So therefore, when we meditate and try to get to know God, we can connect because we're we we're. But if chas v'shalom, someone violated a positive mitzvah, so you are causing chas v'shalom a disconnect that you have with this more revealed side of God. And therefore, when you're going to meditate on Hashem, in which you're seeking to know Him, and why do you meditate? You can only meditate on, on what He reveals. You're not going to connect, chas Or you're going to find it hard to connect. And that's why he says that a person, as we spoke earlier, sometimes a person meditates in davening and they're hitting a hollow wall. Because we said before, a meditation is only as good as if God reveals Himself on the other side of that meditation. If it's just you meditating, okay, what is it? So there is... So there's going to be a chisarin. Um, 
which means that your toil from below is not going to be successful. And this is also called, this is an interference with the smaller love, the lesser love. It's explained in Parshas Ekev because it's the love that the person creates on his own. Your fire from below is not going to work. It's like a person trying to put on the fire on the Mizbeach and the, and, the, and, the, and the wood is a little wet. So it's not really catching fire. It's, it's kind of like that. So the same is also, you're meditating and you're not going to catch fire. And that's what I mentioned earlier, that it's possible that a person meditates during davening and it's not working and they don't realize it's because someone came to them for a favor and they didn't pay attention to that. A mitzvah came your way and you didn't do it. So there's a lack of godly revelation. But this is a little bit more, as I If a person transgresses a prohibitive commandment, so this is already touching a much more sensitive place. Here is like you're creating that odor, that vanilla smell that God can't smell. So then he, keeps, he can't come close to that. So he keeps away. What does that mean? You're holding, you're putting a blockage that the higher fire from above that comes from God, which is what sparks your natural love of your neshama to go on fire, you don't allow that to take hold in the soul, which as we said earlier, that's going to take your love to a whole new level. It's a far more spiritual love, a far more godlier love, a far more transcendental love. On the love that you can create from below. Because God cannot live where there is evil. And a, a, a prohibitive commandment means it's something that you're bringing the klipa in. You're bringing the ra. And God cannot dwell there. So you're not allowing him to dwell. Like the sage or something, he's used the lushan, that if you do so and so, you're, causing God, you're pushing God's feet away. He can't put his feet down there. Um, as it says, your sins are separating. Because the person has covered himself up with a lot of klipa through the Avera, and therefore his neshama got pushed very far. Like we spoke earlier about the hollow of the sling. We spoke last week about that. I'm not so then he can't draw down the fire from above. Okay. So one of them is affecting more our ability to create create our own connection. And the other one is interfering with Hashem's attachment to us. And that's why fixing a positive commandment is easier because it's something that is more in our, in our ballpark. It's something that's more in our, We're dealing with the revealed world, something that's closer to us. Something where the damage is more in what? That when you make an effort to, to connect to Hashem, you're not really connecting. So the moment I do tshuva, and since the work is the work from below, it's repairable instantly. But if it's in this, I, I, if a person caused God to be turned off by them because of this odor like we spoke earlier, Hashem smelled the vanilla and he didn't like it. So he, he went away in a sense. He departed. He's not going there. So then... You need him to decide to make the connection back. It's not just up to the person. It requires more God's, God's desire to make that connection again. That happens on Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur, Hashem, we'll see in a minute, Hashem 
really gets back to his deepest heart. And, when he, and he discovers what's, what he really cares about. And what he really cares about, more than vanilla and this smell or that smell, is he loves us. And even if we smell like vanilla, he still loves us. Which he only realizes that on Yom Kippur. Because Yom Kippur, he goes in deeper into himself. See? Um, let me explain that in a moment. You know, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's explain that in a moment. What the uniqueness of Yom Kippur, of Hashem going deeper in himself. Um, the Alkane, and therefore, him, Ovid al Mitzvah Saseh, if a person is over on a positive mitzvah, Vishav and he does tshuva, Lezazmi Sham, he doesn't walk away from there, Achamaychlam Loi. They forgive him, he's forgiven right away. Kibasai say tshuva, since he does tshuva, his oidid is a tshuva moil, the tshuva fixes what the Avera did, to again excite his soul, with the arousal from below, that he lost. He lost the, the ability to get it to ignite his own fire. So when he does tshuva, since it's your fire, tshuva, so it's more in your hands to ignite it again. He doesn't depart from where he is. Because the, because the problem happened in the space where you are, not somewhere deep in heaven. Because the person is standing in his place and he fixed that, that which he um, trying to find a human example for this idea. A human, a human example from a human relationship. I don't know. Okay. Keniskaliel. Shatfila Shabakhoyam Nikrasulam Uboy Malachalakim Shamaisa Mitzvah Oilim. Through Tfila Bekavana and Kavana Bibchanas Chuva Mesakin Masha Ives. You fix that which you messed up a bit of mitzvah say in the in the in the lack of performing of a positive mitzvah. Masha and Kinkesha Ovid al Mitzvah Aloisa say when a person was over on Alosa say Shepagam, over there the pagam is much, much higher up. It's far more in God than down here. He's not holding, he's holding back the higher light. The arousal from above. Then, So even if you're doing tshuva and you're, and you're arousing from below, the disconnect happened up there, not down here. It doesn't. It's, it, the, it can't continue giving its power, its supernal power, its higher love. Because he's diminished its light from up there. The way I'm feeling it a little bit in a human relationship is that sometimes you know. A person says, you know, I can't be with you as long as you do so, so, and so, and so. Finished. But the problem is be you. You get rid of this, I'm there. Fix this, I'm there. Be more responsible, I'm there. Yeah, I'm there. 
But sometimes in the relationship, it's like the person said something or did something that hurt the other in a very deep place inside of them. It's not about what you, the mess over here, it's about... So then you're in less in control because it's in their heart. And once they had this, you can say, a turn off in their own heart, so how do you turn that back on? It's a different story. It's dependent on them. You can't do anything. It's up to them. It's not up to you. If, it's, if, if the problem is like, okay, you know what? You know, as long as you have an orange tablecloth, I'm not coming because orange is... It's not a personal... You know what I'm saying? So then fix it. Okay, I'm not going to put it. I'm going to put it. It's a different story. Uh, something like that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's... Elizai's tshuva toila. That's why tshuva depends, holds it back. Yom Kippur forgives. Why does Yom Kippur forgive? Because on this day, God atones lifnei Hashem. What happens on Yom Kippur is God's innermost desire to be in a relationship with us is evoked. Let's put it this way. All year long, God gets caught up in the project. What's the project? Making this world into a holy place, into a godly place. And He loves us from within that project. From within that, pro- we're, we're the ones who work with this project and get make it happen. So the love kind of is convoluted with the project. So if we're good in the project, we get more love. If we're bad in the project, we get. On Yom Kippur, Hashem like says, "Forget about the whole project. Forget about everything." He withdraws. He withdraws into himself. And when he withdraws into himself, he finds out what do I really want? Is it really the project? Is it really this? Is it really that? I want my children. I want my wife. I want my. I want that, that thing with the project, without the project. I, I want you, deeper than me wanting anything. Obviously, Hashem wants to hear that we. That's what we want as well. We want Him. And we we do that Yom Kippur as well. We're saying like. I know God. I forgot about you all year long. Or because I got caught up, I want this and I want this and I want that. But that's not really true. That's all. That's not real. My true self. When I when I really really sit down alone, and I get deep deep inside of me, I see that I I really more than everything else, I really want you. So from that place, there is a, a reconnect. Every relationship has the core bond and then there is the the structure and how you structure how you're going to live together or how you're going to build your your life together and when people get caught up too much in the structure then you know sometimes there's clashes in it because you know we thought I'm going to live my life like this with we're going to and but now it's not working out exactly so there's friction, and it causes a separation and a lack of love. So if you can only get back to the moment you really fell in love with each other, when then it wasn't about, it's just pure, pure love, pure, pure wanting to be together and being in the relationship, that oversees everything. That's, and that's really at the core. Why does Hashem want this world to be a home for Him? So He can live there with us. But when Hashem gets a little too caught up in the decoration in the curtains, and by the time he's done, there's no wife to live in, to move into anymore because he got into such a fight with her because, because she didn't make the curtains as he wanted. Or, 
<laughs> at a certain point, it becomes ridiculous. So if God is going to lose the Jewish people because of his desire for Torah and mitzvahs, what's going on over here? If he's going to lose his wife because of the desire for Torah and mitzvahs, then there's a problem. So he keeps on going back into his... Every year he goes back and he asks himself, what do I really want? Oh, now it doesn't mean that this that he gives up on his beautiful house that he planned. And he doesn't mean that, he, that he's going to even... He just says, you know, let's start all over again. Let's figure out how we can, like, how we can fix this and get back. But, but here's the thing. While a person gets deeply caught up in the house that he's building and in the colors of the room and in the, and, and in the curtains and in the whatever it is, then that's all he's thinking about. Then there's then, then it's like he forgot already that he really that the, that this is his house where he wants to live with with his wife. And he forgot that's all becomes irrelevant because now all he wants is this. So it takes a certain stepping back into your heart of hearts to find out what's really there underneath it all. When you come back to that place, then you appreciate the bond and you can you can heal the relationship and start all over again. That's what he's saying, Yom Kippur. It's Yom Kippur, Hashem goes back. The externalities of everything fall away. Hashem goes back to his essential desire from the beginning. What is that? The love to us. And the love to us then transcends all other loves and all. So then he wants the connection. So then when we are doing tshuva, and we're saying, you know what? I understand that you really didn't like this, and I'm sorry for being this way. Now, that light, the connection can be made. Panim b'panim. Hashem's gr- you return back into Hashem's good graces, into Hashem's love. Yom Kippur Hashem goes back higher than the Vavke, which is the revealed side of God. He goes back higher even than the Yudke, which we said before, the Yudke is those nuances that you don't reveal but they're part of your personality but they're too deep to reveal God goes even higher than that it's like we spoke about that, that, that vanilla smell that you don't like that's, that's deeper than, than, than expressed wills it's like but then there is what do I really I, I, you know and if, and, and if I lost my child let me ask you a question if I lost my chasachom I lost lost Someone lost his child for a long time and they come back smelling like vanilla. So what? But you're my child. I realized that even though I threw you out of the house last time you came in all that's good. But if I didn't know where you were for 50 years and you come suddenly 10, 15 years, you come back, I don't care about vanilla. I realize that I care about you more than I care about the smell of it. And I'm saying it's like irrelevant. It's like ridiculous. It's like because I love you. But Please go shower and get the vanilla off. <laughs> so it's not like you can stand there and say, well, you love me no matter what, so here I am with all my chazerai. No, I'm an al-chait. I feel bad. I'm going to try not to do this again. But I really care about being in a relationship with you. And I know that, that's the rejuvenation of it. And that's higher than the yutke and higher than the vavke. Sha'az noisei avoin, then Hashem removes the sin, he goes over the sins, he cleanses it. And the reason is, there the sin becomes meaningless at this place. 
because he's so in this deep nimiistic place, the more external desire for the mitzvah or the lack of the mitzvah is insignificant to the place where he's where Hashem is at that moment on Yom Kippur. Vinikra ka'er. So again, we do tshuva, and God does tshuva. He also has to do tshuva because he's also gotten a little too caught up in whatever. Rebelzi would have brought us Mashiach a long time ago, right? He also gets like. He wants it done to the finest detail exactly. Then Hashem does tshuva Yom Kippur. He says, but what, what's with me? I, I, he also has to go back into himself. We got to go back into ourselves and find out what's really important to us. Hashem does tshuva as well. Go back into what's really important to you. And let's figure this out together. Vinikra, and this is called Ke'erez Balavanayin. Earlier we spoke that mitzvahs are called like the tree that bends down. Hashem is bending down like a sapling tree. That we can hop onto the tree and then he, we didn't speak about it today, we spoke about it Thursday. But he says that's one kind of tree. Then there's another kind of tree called Kierez, like a cedar tree, Balavanon in, in Lebanon. That is referring to the place, Lebanon is the place of whiteness, Lebanon. It's the place where even the darkest sins become whitened. Because Hashem gets back. We said mitzvahs come from a very hard place. They're like a high tree. But, which is God's will. But there is the will and there is the will of the will. The will that he has is... What's his will? His will is his Torah mitzvahs. What's the will of his will? His will to be with us. Torah mitzvahs is the way in which he chooses to be with us. But first, before he wants the mitzvahs, he wants the Jewish nisham. That's the will of the will. And that's called ke'erez balavonon. Shuhu madregal yoyne yoyser. It's even higher mebchenaz b'roish ra'anon. Sha'adei ma'isa mitzvahs. V'ayim b'zoye v'ayikro parshas lech l'cha. V'ayikro 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 Shemal bin avinisem shal Yisrael. It makes the Jewish sins white. U'lezois onu mevakshin. This is so beautiful. This is what we're really saying when we say slach lanu. What we're really asking for is not to be clean. We're asking for, please, Hashem, I want the twinkle in your eye again. That's all. I want the twinkle in your eye. I want, I want to be back in your good graces that you should find delight in me. I maybe turned you off. Now I want, you, I want to come back in. I want, I want to connect again. Shine your face upon me again. I want to be face to face. And we take that into the sukkah. Once we establish that on Yom Kippur, we live face to face with God in the sukkah. And that's where we celebrate this newfound coming back in love. It's like you had a friend, you had a little, you had a, you had a, you had a good friend, a really good friend. You had a little fallout, and you had a little fight, and it bothers you very deeply because you really want this friend in your life. And then you just sit down and you work things out. And then you manage to like suddenly feel that warmth and that heart and that connection again. That's what it is. A person is asking someone, don't be upset at me. It's like I feel that you're... you're Sometimes a person is not angry at anybody anymore. I'm not like an, I'm not like an, a whatever. 
but I don't feel it. You're not there like you were before. That's the question. That's the question. And a marriage is always that way. Like, okay, so I'm not okay, so you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you, but am I, am I still the same? Is the love there? Is, the, is that... Is that that's what we want with the Abishter. And Hashem should put His love down upon us. And how do we accomplish that? We say, We say, Ugh, I'm so upset that I... What we're really saying is, I'm so ridiculous. How, I, mean, I, I mean, for such stupidity, I put a barrier between me and you. I feel horrible. It's stupid of me. That's what you're really saying. I'm stupid. I'm stupid again. No, what's the stupidity? The stupidity is for my silly whatever, I took that more seriously than my relationship with you. And I feel insane that I have done that. So please forgive me for that. And let's start all over again. And you lower yourself down. And you say it loud, so you're publicizing it. And we admit that it's abominable, and disgusting. And we're breaking our egos by doing that. We're humbling ourselves. The sitra achra, the other side that stands as a block between God, is all about inflation of self. It's perfect. It never sees bad for itself. It like can't do any wrong. It's so like, it's so, it's so always like uh, protecting itself as being. So when you take it and you give it a real beating and you say no no, suddenly you feel like no, I'm not this perfect human being. So that humbles and it breaks the klipa. And when it breaks the klipa, God, that lifts God up, so to speak, into a very deep place in Himself. Because when Sitra Achra is diminished, God's glory rises. So what that means is He rises into a deep place in Himself. And from that deep place, from there He realizes that he really loves us no matter what. From there we, re, we re-establish the bond. From there he has mercy upon us. And once God's love is back restored, once you're under Hashem's love again, from Hashem's innermost will, then a sin, you know, I saw in the writings of the Arizal. I remember when, that when a person sins, now this is not for ordinary people, I'm sure. But a person should cry, and really, when he did him, when he did sin, and try to imagine until you can see the Yudke Vavke clear. And if you can't see the Yudke Vavke clear, so you go back into the fasting and into the crying. And do it, and do it, and do it until it's like shining, and you see the yutke vavke. That's what it's all about. That, that the light is shining back. Hashem's countenance is shining back in your face. That Hashem is again. That 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 would be the the root of this of that idea that it says over there is what it says over here. You want to receive again that love. Ki Once the love is back then the sins are not there anymore. Why? Because he says the sins only separate from us and God. It says, Between you 
and between simply it means between your God. But the deeper meaning is between you and the level of godliness that can be considered your godliness. Meaning the way I manifest in the world, the way I choose to manifest into creation is through these mitzvahs. So a violation in the mitzvah is separating between you and that godliness that I, that I choose to manifest in the creation. But it doesn't separate between me as I truly am, not my... And therefore, once you connect to me from the place where I truly am, then the sin doesn't even block. On that level. Between your meaning, but in Hashem's innermost will, so deep inside, in that level, darkness and light are equal. And this is the meaning, we're going to include the mimer, that Yom Kippur is a double Shabbos. What does that mean? We said earlier, Shabbos means to turn back face to face. There's three levels of it. One level is the Shabbos in the weekday. Is that basically we're busy with our chores. God is busy with his chores. We turn during davening and we make a connection. It's like we make, we keep the, the love alive. We keep the warmth alive. Then there is Shabbos. What Shabbos? Shabbos, God drops all of whatever he's busy with. You drop with it. Let's just spend the day together completely. So it's real face-to-face. Hashem says, more than I want to create the world, I want to be with you. And Yom Kippur, Hashem goes even deeper. Even to a, he returns even to a deeper side of himself. Where even the way I choose to relate to you, which is through Torah and mitzvahs, even that is external. What I really want is you more than I even want the Torah and mitzvahs. So the, sh- the return is to the deepest inner, inner, inner core of him. We too, in the weekday, we're involved in the world. During davening we stop and we pay attention to God. On Shabbos we disconnect completely. But we still have a relationship because we're still physical people on Shabbos. On Yom Kippur, we cease, even the, we cease even the little bit of physicality we have on Shabbos. We withdraw from that as well. We don't eat. We don't. It's complete removal from the physical. Because we remove completely away from the world only to what is the deepest desire in our heart. And that is union with God. God also removes himself from everything, even from his desire of mitzvot. And he comes back to his quintessential desire of love to the Jewish people. And that's where he bonds with us. So it's the most inner, inner kind of face-to-face that we have. That's why in the weekday we say, Shamar es Yom HaShabbos, observe the Shabbos even in the week. On Shabbos is when we have real Shabbos. And Yom Kippur is Shabbos Shabboson. It's the return, it's the tshuva of tshuvas. It's like the grand tshuva, the grand return. Shabbos, um, even to Shabbos, which is turning back face to face, who Shabbos, and it's even a bigger Shabbos than that. It's higher and higher because there's many levels of Hashem's face. There's face, and there's even a deeper face, and even a deeper face, which face always means a more inner place in Him. 
Vagam shegam Shabbos nikra Shabbos Shabbosim. Now, even though Shabbos is also called Shabbos Shabbosim, but meishayeh Shabbos tatov Shabbos ilah. We know that by regular Shabbos it also says Shabbos Shabbosim, not only by Yom Kippur. So, if this whole idea is that this is a Shabbos Shabbosim, because in every Shabbos there is the lower Shabbos and the higher Shabbos, and the Alter Rebbe explains it in a different memorandum. There's two levels of every Shabbos. Achtasham ksev mikra kodesh. He says true. Every Shabbos also has a, a very high element of Shabbos. But over there, even though it, it's to God, he returns to a very high, deep place, but it's not revealed to us. It's mikra kaidish, it's a calling of holiness. Up there, it's revealed, this, this panemius haratzon. But it's not revealed to us. It remains up there. The difference between Yom Kippur and a regular Shabbos is but Yom Kippur it says it's Shabbos Shabbos in Lochem. What does that mean? Simply it's like this. Sometimes a person has a change of heart about someone that they love and they really suddenly feel that they love them but they don't, noti- they don't notify them about it. It remains by them that way but they don't communicate it. Then there's a different story where I feel this way and I let you know. So you know that I'm at, I'm at this place where I don't want anything but I want to restore our relationship. So on Shabbos, Hashem goes back to this deepest place, but it says, Mikra Kodesh, it's in his heart. He isn't necessarily revealing it to us. On Yom Kippur, he's shining that Pneumius HaRatzon down into Knesset Yisrael, so that we can feel how he's forgiving us completely. And nothing matters to him more than we just being with him for the day, and rejuvenating and re-sparking our love, so that we can take it with us for a, a new year. But here's where, if you remember, the new year means a new commitment. Because if we really love him, then we really have to care about what he really cares about. It's not like the external, it's not like we can tell God, eh, eh, vanilla, eh, forget about it. So what? This, why do you need that? I'm here. It doesn't work that way. If I love you, I have to care. I really have to care about what things that you really care about. So that's what we're really saying to Hashem. If you really love me, you really love, you know, we really love each other more than anything else. Let's respect each other's desires and care about what we like, what we both care. Hashem says, okay, so what do you need? So I say, I, well, I need, I can't, you know, I have a headache, I have a toothache, I have an ingrown toenail, I have bills I need to pay. These are things that I really don't like, so I, you know, I really would like you to help me out with that and care about them. And the Ebrister says, and we say to Hashem, well, what do you need? And Hashem says, well, I have a big list. That's why I'm thinking to myself that it's not so bad to ask for a lot of things. Because God's got even a bigger list. He's got 613 commandments plus a few billion other things that he wants as part of those commandments. So if we ask for a couple of things as well in this love that he should take care of, I think it's only fair. Now what do you think? It's only fair. If, we're, if, if there has to be a, a, a deep respect for each other what we need, so it has to be across, right? Good thing to remember. I just thought about that. So it reminds me of the person who the famous story of the Chosef from Rabbi the Melech of Lazensk or the Chosef from Lublin. I don't remember who they tell the story. Who uh, the guy wanted to see how the Rebbe does kaparis with the chicken. So he came and and he said, "Well, you have to see my kaparis. Come, let me show you how you do kaparis." So he took him to the, to, the, to the window and they watched the simple Jew do the kaparis. The way he did his kaparis was 
And he told his wife to, to bring him the book. She brings him a book. He starts looking through the book. He sees the window. He says, his wife, you know, Hencha, bring me the book. She brings him the book. And he opens the book and he starts reading. And the book is really saying like all the things that he wrote down every night before he went to sleep if he did something. Here he got angry. He yelled. He feels really bad. He wrote it in this book. Here he by mistake was so busy he didn't dava mincha. So he writes it in this book. Here he realized before he went to sleep that he forgot the bench. Here by mistake on Shabbos he moved something that was mukta and he wrote it down. He's reading through and he's, and he's sighing as he's reading through and some places even has tears coming down. He goes through the whole year all the sins that he did. He closes the book and he says, bring me the other book. So his wife brings him the other book. And that book he starts reading of all the, all the calamities that happened during the year. Here his, his cow died. Here the horse, you know, here he had a break in the middle of the night, someone broke into his place and they stole a couple of things. Here a guy came into the bar and he got drunk and he punched him in the face. He's writing all of his sorrows that he had during the year. He recorded he had a flu. He was a few days, he was totally out. He's writing down. And he says, you know, God, you weren't, not, you weren't too nice to me either this year. You know, with all these things, which you did. Then he said, you know what? He takes, takes out a bottle of whiskey, and he puts, he puts down two, two glasses, and he pours for himself, and he pours the other one. And he says, God, how long are we going to sit and we're going to be angry at each other? Says, yeah, I'm going to be angry at you. You're going to be angry at me. Let's, I'll forgive you. You forgive me, and we'll be good. And he picks up and he says, "Lachaim." In other words, "Zechalifasi, zetmerasi." And Melech said, "Ah, you see, that's kaparis. It's a relationship. That's also it's like, well, I and you can't do that because we would be doing shtick. Shtick doesn't work. But this guy was in the place. He was a simple person. This was his idea." That's what the Alter Rebbe is really saying. Let's get back close again. Let's forgive each other. And let's get back close again. So therefore it's okay if we ask for our needs. It's like these are the things, Hashem, you don't want me to get you upset. And the truth is a lot of times we do things, how many times do we do things wrong? I'm just thinking about it right now. Because we're a little upset at God for like the things. And then we say, you know, I don't care. You know, I, I, I don't care, but you know what? I really was hoping this would go through. This was this. And you didn't, it's not right because the Jew should have a moon and know whatever Hashem does is for the good. I know that's true. But after all, sometimes we get upset because we want the things to go one way. And they're not working out. We get a little aggravated. And because of that, we're not as tuned into our Yiddishkeit. So we feel offended by Hashem. Hashem feels offended by us. So in Yom Kippur, we really come back to a place and say, come on, we really both don't like this. So let's make... Let's get back in loving get again, and then we'll try to be more cautious and careful about each other's feelings and care about each other. And from there, we re we reignite the, f- the fire in the soul and the marriage. L'chaim.